catch me because I'm tripping. Is this the man that I've been trying to dress for a year? The man who will go nowhere near a mall under any circumstances? Is this man asking me to go shopping? Is that a yes? That's not a yes. That is a yes! 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 Heyo, welcome back to Thank Fucking God It's Friday. I'm Drew. And I'm Katie. And today we're going to talk about a show that is impossible to find information on because everything about it is about the movie of the same name. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not a very, like, Googleable name anyway. No. We are talking about the TV show Clueless, which is spun off of the movie Clueless, and... I honestly didn't know that it was a show until you told me. <laughs> really? Wow. I had no idea that it was a TV show after the movie. It was on TGIF. I think we've established by this point that I probably didn't watch TGIF. <laughs> I mean, you were missing out. It was only on TGIF for one season, but we can talk about that when we start talking about the show. Yeah. Have you been doing over there in your quarantine bubble? Okay. I've been, I mean, I've been volunteering at the school pretty much anytime. They're like, we need some people to come pass things out to students. And I was oh, like, they're yes, doing that. me. So on Friday, I passed out some laptops because they're giving out laptops to every student for next year. I, I was up there for when seniors came to pass out some graduation cords. Really anything that I can do that gets me out of the house and like interacting with other people. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all for it. It's, I mean, most of it, it's like the students can't come in the school. So we'll be set up by doors that are like windows now for us. And so we'll be inside and they have like a line and it's, it's just funny to me thinking that people are under the assumption we can keep teenagers to be six feet away from each other when we go back to school <laughs> because yeah, they obviously have never been around teenagers. So are you at these windows like it's a McDonald's drive through window? Kind of. I mean, when we were doing the graduation cords, I had a table at the window. I'm behind the table. And then the kids would come up. And if they had, if their name was on my list, I gave them one. If not, I said, go to the next place. <laughs> For the computers, they came over. I would scan a barcode on the computer. They'd bring a form to somebody else. They get their computer. Yeah. Somebody, there were like multiple kids that already forgot their power cord as they left that day. And then they'd have to come back and get them. And I just think it's hilarious that some of these kids are going to have to try to hold on to this property for a whole year, four years, <laughs> and, yeah. and not lose it. Well, that's good that they're giving laptops to students because that probably helps with the equipment strains on the families. Yeah. And next year will still be, no matter what, will still be some portion uh, remote learning, either 50-50 oh, wow. or all the way. So they, they should let us know by the end of uh, next week, actually. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. What a world. I actually ran into an old student at Trader Joe's the other day, and I felt super creepy about it because <laughs> I you know, everyone's wearing a mask. I'm wearing a mask. And as I'm looking at this person at Trader Joe's, it's like, man, 
that person looks really familiar, but I don't want to stare at this woman and make her think like I'm creepily staring at her. And so we just kept act, like passing by and I was like, man, really looks like an old student. And finally I was like, are you so-and-so? She's like, like took her mask off first thing. She's like, hi, Mr. Toko. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so it was a kid from like that I taught probably five years ago. Oh, wow. And just going to UW now for uh, pre-med. Good. Good for them. <laughs> how have how have you been in quarantine? Um, well, obviously this was a difficult week for everybody in the country. And I think it's drained me a lot. I can't imagine how people of color and people in the black community feel. <laughs> um, but, you know, I am doing what I can, doing what I can to educate myself as well so that when I have conversations with people, they can be informed and not just, you know, based on feelings, but actually based on things I've heard. And I went to the protest here in this neighborhood yesterday, I went with our friend Sarah. Well, we met there. <laughs> yeah. And um, she actually ran into some of her students there. So that oh, that's fun. good. Yeah. yeah. Um, there were a lot of people. There were hundreds of people. I don't know the numbers or anything, but basically the whole um, two blocks of that main street were completely packed with people. Yeah, I saw the – I was looking at some of the webcams of that. It looked like there were a ton of people. One of the – you kind of mentioned this, but like one of the hardest things I think for a lot of people when they're first trying to address the issue and starting to educate themselves is the – is like the white guilt that that people come into, especially when having conversations with friends and family. Like there's I, – I know that I get it and I try not to let it – come through like you don't want to upset somebody that you care about but you're like it's me being upset versus somebody's life being you know threatened right so that's one of the things really kind of focusing on with a lot of the students too yeah and one of the things that I feel like I have been experiencing is just like the fatigue of like information overload and what I have kind of equated it to and this is going to be a dumb analogy but when I've started a new job in the past, the first week is so tiring because you're just so aware of everything you don't know yet. And you're just like a sponge trying to absorb all of the information. And it's just a very draining experience. And I feel like that's kind of what's going on right now. But, you know, with just like with work, you have to keep pushing through it and keep absorbing and keep learning. And that's what we have to do now, regardless of how draining it is in many different ways. Because yep. for the people who live this every day, this has been their whole lives. Yeah. And it'll be a lot more, at least until some significant change is made to the system as a whole. So all we can do is to keep keep fighting and not to not let, you know, as soon as it stops being, you know, the trending topic of the moment, not letting things die down after after that goes away. Yeah, no. It's not a hashtag and we're done. <laughs> it's a yeah. it's a process and it's something that people need to focus on for years and years. Yeah. Well, it feels weird to say this, but do you want to move on to Clueless? <laughs> to the 90s TV show that we're going to talk about? <laughs> yes. Yes, we should. That that's what we're here for. 
So you've never seen Clueless before these two episodes. So I mean, I've seen the movie. Oh, yeah. I meant the TV show. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So probably some other people haven't either. But it was a sitcom that was obviously based on the movie of the same name. And it ran on ABC's TGIF lineup for one season starting in 1996. And that first season was only 18 episodes. And then it moved to UPN for another two seasons. So wrapping up in 1999. And Amy Heckerling was actually behind both the show and the movie. And she actually pitched the idea of the TV show to Fox first. But then it was picked up as a movie by Paramount. Okay. I did not know that. So the fact that a TV show came after the movie is not really that surprising, considering that was what she was thinking about to begin with. But I feel like there were a lot of movies turning into TV shows in like the 90s. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, 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 I can't remember all of any any other ones, but I feel like there were them. <laughs> I'm sure they exist. I can't think of any off the top of my head either. But I'm yeah, I'm sure they exist. <laughs> and I'm definitely too lazy to lean forward and type into my computer right now. <laughs> so this show was executive produced by Amy Herculine, and she also wrote and directed a lot of the episodes as well, or one or the other wrote or directed. But she wasn't involved after the show moved to UPN. At that time, someone named Tim O'Donnell took over. I didn't look him up, but he was involved in the first season as well. I saw that he... I think wrote a couple episodes. So it wasn't like someone completely unknown took over the show. So I'm sure that was good. I I feel like if I would have watched it, I would have watched it on UPN because I watched UPN a lot back then. Yeah. But again, I just don't, I don't remember. I would have been around 10 when this was on and I I was (laughs) definitely probably just watching cartoons. Yeah. Well, the show stars Rachel Blanchard as Cher Horowitz. She took over the role from Alicia Silverstone. And I think Alicia Silverstone, it said that she had like some sort of contract deal with like Tristone Pictures or something like that. But like she would be in a TV show anyway. (laughs) Right. I saw online that she turned down the offer to appear in the show, preferring to pursue a film career. Yeah. (laughs) Makes sense. Totally. (laughs) Um, But Cher is a privileged Beverly Hills teenager who is generally more concerned with status and shopping and then, like, the lives of her friends. She's very involved in her friends' lives. She has to solve all of their problems. What I noticed about this and what I saw a lot of things say is that, like, a lot of teen movies where it's a character like her, they're very concerned with being cool and popular. And this was not that kind of show and movie. It was more... She knows where her place is. She's just concerned with like like the material parts of it and the, and, and like the look. Yeah, that's I guess, a good point. She doesn't actually overtly talk down to a lot of people. I think she doesn't feel the need to. I mean, she right. definitely knows status wise that she is above those people. And especially if you think about the movie, like there's an entire scene where they talk about all the different cliques. That are yeah. in the school and like she doesn't let Ty date um, Brecken Meyer's character who I can't remember. Oh, Travis. Um, so like that element is there, but you're right. She doesn't need to try to be popular because she is popular. And then that's just a done conversation. 
Yeah, it's not focused on it at all. Yeah. So her best friend is Dion Davenport, who's played by Stacy Dash. And she's quite a lot like Cher, but she's more experienced in the romance department as she's been in a long-term relationship with Murray Duval, who is played by Donald Faison. Now, are they all supposed to be sophomores in high school? I believe so. <laughs> okay, Stacy Dash is born in 1967. <laughs> yeah. Like, she was 30 when this show is going on. So she's born in 67, and they're like, this. that whole era of movies and TV, it's like they were afraid to, to put teenagers into anything, like actual well, teenagers. I don't think it was fear. A lot of it has to do with the labor laws, because if they have actual minors working on things, then they have set hours that they can work between. Yeah, so, but th- they clearly do that now and work around it and make it work. Yeah, yeah. But back then when, you know, this is a show, they probably didn't put a lot of budget in and they probably just wanted to crank out episodes. It's not like Riverdale, which has a huge production budget. <laughs> I've never seen Riverdale. Me neither. I don't actually know if they're actual teenagers. (laughs) Okay. Well, I mean, I just watched Eighth Grade, which I loved. I thought that was great. Have you seen that one? I haven't seen it. It's been on my list, but I haven't watched it yet. It's really good. And I mean, they had like actual eighth graders as most, you know, the people in there and stuff. So, and like the kids were awesome. Pen 15 is another good example of that. Have you watched that? It's a that TV show's show. hilarious. Yeah. Like they're 30 year olds. The two main characters are 30 year olds, but everybody else on the show is literally 13. <laughs> yeah. That show's really funny. <laughs> also very 90s esque. But yeah, um, very lazy casting with, you know, the ages of these people. Obviously, with the TV show, they had to kind of play off what they did with the movie. So, right. Stacey Dash and Donald Faison both played these same roles in the Clueless movie. And, you know, they have to, I mean, it's good that they brought them back for the same roles. It probably wouldn't have had the same, you know, star power, for lack of a better word, if they had to recast basically everything in the movie. Um, another friend of Cher's is Amber, played by Elisa Donovan. And she's snobbier and, as far as I can tell, kind of a frenemy of Cher. She also had the same role in the movie. Yeah, she definitely is more, she's the most superficial of the three of them somehow, of the three girls somehow. And she basically plays the same role on Sabrina the Teenage Witch in the later seasons, as far as I can tell. I didn't watch those seasons that much, but she was just like a snobby, rich girl. So yeah, I don't know. And that show was actually also on UPN. So (laughs) What show? Uh, Sabrina, the teenage witch, it moved to UPN, I think. Okay. Yeah. After, or did it move to WB? It moved to one of those. I think it was UPN though. Well, either way, after this show ended, like a bunch of the guy who played Josh moved on to uh, Sabrina, Eliza Donovan moved on to Sabrina, Rachel Blanchard moved on to seventh heaven. So they all, they were all fine. Yeah. (laughs) And then there's Murray's best friend, Sean Holiday, played by Sean Holland. <laughs> Almost the same. Also very old during this. He was born in 68. 
Yeah, he looked it. <laughs> yeah, he was the one that made me look uh, look them up online because I was like, first of all, I'm pretty sure he is not even close to high school age. Yeah, they could at least get like people who are like 21, 22, or something. <laughs> Come on. Again, they were relying on the casting from Clueless, the movie. Right, but Clueless, the movie, should have been. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> but he was also on the movie. He didn't play the same role, though. He played some character named Lawrence, who I think had a small role. I remember seeing him on the movie, but I don't remember like really hearing from him. So that's why I think it was pretty small. I okay. watched Clueless like two weeks ago. Nice. And so while the show has the same kind of look and feel as the movie, there were some other differences as well. In the movie, Paul Rudd plays Cher's former stepbrother, Josh, whom she falls in love with by the end of the movie. And that is not part of the storyline of the TV show at all. And also, I should say spoiler alert, but this movie came out in like 95. So hopefully people have seen it by now or if they have planned to, you know, they'll live. (laughs) Um, So in the TV show, Josh is still just her former stepbrother. He works for her dad. And yeah, he's only in the first season. Okay. And speaking of Paul Rudd, he obviously did not reprise his role of Josh, as we've already said. The role was recast and played by David Lasher, and he was actually in some other 90s TV shows. You mentioned Sabrina the Teenage Witch. He was also in Hey Dude from Nickelodeon, 90210, and Drew's favorite, Blossom. Yeah, I noticed that there were a bunch of Blossom connections in this, and I was like, boy, I just, like, apparently I need to see it. Yeah. I mean, I haven't seen it since it was on. I don't even remember it that much, but we'll get there someday. (laughs) Yeah, we will. And Paul Rudd did come on for an episode, and it's one we actually watched, so I'll save that information for when we actually talk about the episode. There were a couple other actors who came back just for one episode in roles other than the ones they played in the movie. So Brittany Murphy, R.I.P., she played Ty, and Brecken Meyer played Travis, but... Brittany Murphy came back as a transfer student from New York named Jasmine, and Breckenmeyer came back for an episode as Harrison. Didn't really get any details on that character. I think it's just kind of a cameo, so. I'm most upset that they didn't have Brittany Murphy in the show. Yeah. I love Brittany Murphy. She was great. She was such a good actress. Yeah. I feel like everything she was in I loved, but... (sighs) Well, I didn't love Uptown Girl. No? I don't think so. That's fair. Is it Uptown Girl or Girls? I don't know. There's two of them on the cover of it because it's Brittany Murphy and Dakota Fanning. I'm just picturing it in my head. (laughs) There is one other character that I want to go into, not even in depth, just as a tangent, because obviously I need to make a Scrubs connection for this show. And it's easy to say that Donald Faison was Turk. And he's in this show, but that's too cheap. That's too easy. So I had to dig. Actually, I didn't even have to dig. I mostly just saw something and I was like, that looks familiar. Uh, Cher's father is played by a man named Michael Lerner. When I looked at him, I was like, this guy looks super familiar. Why do I know him? I think he was in Scrubs. He's not. (laughs) 
But his brother, Ken Lerner, is in Scrubs in an episode where he plays uh, a writer on Cheers. It's the episode where they do like the fake sitcom where it's like a multi-cam sitcom. And um, I forget his exact name, but he ends up dying in the episode. But JD and Turk are like super excited because he's a writer from Cheers. He's on the show. So that's my (laughs) obscure Scrubs connection this time. It's the brother of a guy who's on one episode. (laughs) Before we started recording, you said that I might not agree that it's a Scrubs connection. And you are right. (laughs) Listen here. It's degrees. Six degrees of Kevin Bacon works for anything I'm doing here. (laughs) And it's a brother of a guy. He's the... If you look up their faces, they're the same. (laughs) So I was on the Ally McBeal podcast, Bygones. I think the episode comes out this week. And the judge on it was Nurse Roberts. And we did talk about it. Um, Eleanor, who is one of the hosts on that podcast, brought it up. And I was like, oh, I thought I was going to have to bring up the Scrubs connection. (laughs) I owed it to you. Oh, I appreciate it. <laughs> well, should we talk about the first episode? Yeah, I think based on the content of the episodes, it makes sense for you to uh, talk about the first one and me the second. <laughs> I wonder why you think that. <laughs> yeah, I can't figure it out. <laughs> so the first episode we watched, well, both of them are from season one. So this is episode nine. It's called I've Got You, Babe, and it aired November 15th, 1996. Okay, ready? Yep. One minute on the clock in three, two, one, go. There's an 80s dance at the school, and Cher is planning to go as Madonna, but her dad is going out of town and is going to send her to her grandma's so that she can't go. Then we go to the coffee shop. She meets Paul in a very weird, or Paul Rudd, in a very weird circumstance. He's Sunny. She's Cher. They bond over that. And he's a college boy, and they start making out all over town, and there's all these, like, you know, they can't get any privacy and stuff. But then her dad says that he's going to go out of town, and she doesn't have to go to her grandma's. So he actually comes over to her house and thinks that they're going to have sex or something like that. And she has to tell him that she's actually a sophomore and she's not ready for that. And so at the very end, instead of, you know, doing it, they go to the dance at her school. I kind of cut out a lot. (laughs) But you did it with like five seconds to go. So, I mean, hey. I mean, that was the gist of it. So There were a lot of of things that I had questions about in this episode. Yeah. (laughs) The first... And foremost that I have, whoever, who did her hair? Who did Cher's hair for this episode? Because just look at it for the first, like when they first meet Paul Rudd and just tell me that anybody was like, this is a look that we should do. (laughs) Um, Did she have like ponytails on both sides and then like some other weird like side ponytail? Yeah. And it looked like she had like bangs, but bangs coming from the side of her head. Uh, it, it was a mess. Yeah, I agree. The hairstyles in general on the show are not anything somebody should replicate. And I don't know that they were representative of hair in the nineties. Like I knew that the clothing was supposed to be ridiculous, like, but, oh man. (laughs) Also, she looks like she's almost 20. Why can't she stay home alone? Well, cause she's 
I, she just I turned 16. didn't know that she was a sophomore at the time. Oh, okay. But still, she just turned 16. I'm pretty sure she can stay home alone for a weekend. I don't think that we were allowed to at that age. Yeah. I guess I it don't think it was until I was parents. like a senior. Uh, my second thing was, so this college dude is trying to bang a high schooler. That was correct. Yep. Um, at, at the end, the administration was cool with this 21-year-old coming to a high school dance. I feel like that happens in a lot of TV shows and movies. Yeah, which is ridiculous because, like, no. It's not allowed today? Generally, no. If you're not in high school, they're not going to let you go to a high school dance, especially if someone who's, like, of – I think he said he was almost 21, but somebody who's of age, they're not going to bring someone like that into a high school. Even if they're somebody's date? Yeah. Huh. I didn't know that. I mean, kids have to get, like, uh, a form filled out if they even want to bring somebody from another school to a dance. Mm. Uh, and then finally, how did they get modern English to play at their at their high school <laughs> dance? That I can't answer for you. I guess it's because they're all rich, but. <laughs> yeah, it is Beverly Hills. Unlimited budgets. There were a lot of 90s pop culture references in this episode. So one thing that I noticed in both episodes we watched is that anytime they're sitting down to like eat food and actually other times as well, the drink that's next to them is Orbitz. I don't know what that is. So Orbitz was this like clear drink that had all these little like jello balls floating in it. And it was a carbonated drink. So the the um, balls okay. would like float around and it was disgusting. I I bought it one time, and I think I was in like sixth grade, something like that. And I remember my friend Adrian and I were going to the Mariners game, and we were going with our dads. So I think it was like the first time, first and only time our dads were hanging out together. And so we bought these orbit drinks to take. They didn't hit it off. <laughs> I don't know. Um, we've got these Orbitz drinks to take to the stadium, but obviously you can't bring outside food and beverage into the stadium. So we had to chug them outside and it was disgusting. <laughs> Chugging, Chugging something it or that just has jello it. in it. Oh yeah. I'm gonna have to look this up. <laughs> um, yeah, it's one of those things that shows up on all of those like 30 junk foods you forgot existed in the nineties lists. <laughs> So ridiculous. But literally anytime they're sitting down with food or whatever, the drink next to them is Orbitz. I saw it at least four times. Okay. So Orbitz had some product placement going on. You couldn't tell that it was Orbitz other than with the little oh, jello things. You, you could tell. I could tell, but you couldn't see the label. Okay. There, uh, I had a couple things that I really liked from this episode. One of them was the corded phones that... Or at least Paul Rudd, I think, had a corded phone. Uh, Cher might have had a cordless, but definitely home phones in general. <laughs> Miss those. I recently did a poll on our Instagram asking people if they had a landline. And I was actually surprised. I think like 10 or 14% said they did. Huh. My parents still do, but they don't use it anymore. It's just yeah. they need a line there, I think, for the facts. Yeah, a lot of people have them because they were needed for security systems, but that's not the case anymore. Yeah. 
I liked the line, I'm not going to club bummer, so don't put my name on the list. (laughs) This show, I should say, um, this episode was written and directed by Amy Heckerling. So it might have some of the like better, more true writing to the movie. Okay. Love that they were looking up movies in the paper. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Movie times in the paper. I didn't take the extra step to see if they were actual movies. I know in the next episode, at least one of the movies is real. Right. I think, I think that they were talking about real movies. Oh, okay. When they start talking about what Cher's going to have to do or how far she'll have to go. And I think it's, uh, Deanne says without a grand slam, he'll probably leave. Yeah. Because they're talking about bases. And Sunny is in college. Here. Translation, sex fest with occasional lectures. Look, guys, I live for his kisses. And I'm fully ready to ascend to the next run. Now, we're not going to go all the way. But this guy is my destiny. <laughs> um, did you notice their outfits? How every time, like, the group of people are together, their outfits are coordinated. Yes. To be, like, the same color schemes. Yeah, so like, like the couples. This, no, not even just the couples. So like um, in this episode, Cher, Dion, Murray, all of them in one scene, they're all wearing citrus colors, green, yellow, orange. Okay. And then in the scene where they're doing the sleepover at Cher's house, they're all wearing like Pastel, like pink and blue pastel. Let's talk about Amber's nightcap that she was wearing. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like an Ebenezer Scrooge-esque nightcap. Yeah, like a sleep cap. Um, Her pajamas basically were the same as Dion's, but different colors. And she had that cap on. And it was interesting because Dion was also holding like a stuffed rabbit so yeah. they looked like they were eight years old, but the entire conversation was about sex. I also love that Cher also has a photo, already has a photo of him by on her nightstand. And not a small photo. It was like eight by ten or something. Yeah, she had to go get that printed off. <laughs> Thank God, I guess, that Paul Rudd was smart enough to realize that she was 16 Yeah, they start, like, making out, and she kind of freaks out and kind of, I think, runs off to the bathroom or something and says that she needs to come clean. And when she comes back out, he's looking at her textbook and realizes that it's one that he had when she was a sophomore. Yeah, so I was just like, okay, thank God that he says, I can't do this, and doesn't keep uh, pressuring. Because I was like, oh, this is going to go away. I don't want it to. Well, it's Paul Rudd. Right. That's <laughs> why I didn't want to see it. He's a very respectful guy. Yeah. Um, and he even says, like, you've never been alone with a guy, have you? And he says that she should date someone her her own age. But he does add the line, I'd still like to call you. Yeah. I think, you know, maybe in the future he, he's like, all right. And she even says, it. she's like, maybe when you're 25 and I'm 19 or something. I forget what, but yeah. Yeah. I think they're like. Four years apart. Four and a half years apart or something, yeah. Which at that age is way too much. (laughs) But they end up at the very end going to the 80s dance at the high school. And 
I mean, you can tell these people have unlimited allowances because oh, yeah. their outfits are perfect. Spot like, on. <laughs> uh, Murray, he's dressed as Michael Jackson. And like he has the coat, he has the hat, he has literally everything. And I think um, Sean is Devo. And Amber was Cindy Lauper. I don't know that Dion was anyone specific. Cher was Madonna. I I didn't know who half the people were because I wasn't paying close enough attention. (laughs) Yeah. The other thing is that, you know, they keep saying it's like the big school dance and everything like that. But there were 30 people max. Well, you know, it's a small (laughs) private school, right? I don't know. It's a public school, I think. With outside guests. Right. (laughs) Well, that's that episode. Yes. I did think that the most 90s thing about it in general was just all of the colors. I thought it was looking up movie times on on the newspaper. (laughs) That that counts. Oh, and the mention of Billy Crystal. And Sean Penn and so many other. Daniel Day-Lewis. Ethan Hawke. Oh, There is one other thing I wanted to mention, and it was at the very, very, very beginning. So when Paul Rudd comes into the cafe, he literally just swipes Cher's biscotti off of her plate. What a minor sacrifice for such a major stud muffin. I'm sorry, but I don't see it. No, really. He's like totally Daniel Day-Lewis-y. Yeah, maybe in my left foot. (laughs) Hey, honey, I wasn't sure if you wanted the cheesecake, so... I'm so embarrassed. I I thought you were somebody else. Oh, well, as long as you're here. And all of that happened within a span of like 40 seconds. And then he's like feeding her. And she's just staring at him. It was was the most random, odd encounter that I've ever seen transpire within that short of period. That's how every every time I flirt with somebody, that's how it goes. (laughs) But it was Paul Rudd, so it was okay. Right. (laughs) Well, would you like to rate the episode? Sure. So I didn't actually remember any specific Clueless episodes. So when we were going to pick them, I kind of just went off of whatever sounded interesting on Wikipedia. And the only reason I picked this one was because of Paul Rudd. And I think that was a good reason. He was entertaining in the episode. He's definitely the best part of the episode. Yeah. Like, if he was not in this, if the role was somebody else, I would have been way less interested. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. So, in general, I'm going to give this one three orbits out of five. Okay. I think I'm probably around the same uh, point. It it was entertaining, but, you know, it was just, it was there. (laughs) Yeah. It was just an episode. Uh, I'm going to give it two and a half Newspaper movie times out of five. Nice. Shall we move on to the second one? Yeah. So the second episode we watched is All Teed Off. It's season one, episode 16, and it aired January 31st, 1997. And I'm putting some time on the clock for you. I don't think I'm going to do well at this. My notes are not in order, and I have too many gripes. (laughs) And I'll just note, this episode, I believe, was written by the guy who later became the executive producer, Tim O'Donnell. So, just before I forget. 
All right. Are you ready? Yes. Three, two, one, go. We start with an argument about what movie to see. Josh, I think, comes in and he's supposed to go golfing and the boys decide, oh, maybe we should become golfers. We can't do anything else. They take up golfing and I don't remember anyone's name. What's Donald Faison's name? Murray. Murray becomes obsessed. He's golfing every day, all day, and he just doesn't give any attention to Diane. She ends up uh, taking one lesson, it seems like, and beating him at golf. And then we have some couples counseling at the end where, uh, yeah, I can't do it. <laughs> this is, this you is have the 20 worst seconds I've, left. <laughs> I know, but my notes are all just like, gripes about things. <laughs> I don't have anything about the plot points in there. It's not okay. good. Okay. We'll, we'll cover it. So, uh, <laughs> you, uh, waved the white flag. <laughs> oh yeah. I knew going into him like, this is going to be bad. <laughs> well, basically Dion gets upset because Murray is spending all of his time golfing and Cher tries to remedy the situation by going golfing, which does not fix the situation. And at the very end, they have a mediation and come to the agreement that Murray can golf, but every time he golfs, they have to watch a chick flick. See, I think I got everything except that last part. <laughs> yeah. The bit, I mean, there's not much to this episode other than let's golf. We're golfing. Oh, no, there's golf. not much plot wise, but I feel like there's a lot to talk about. <laughs> oh, there's so much. First off, <laughs> what's Murray's friend's name? Sean. Thank you. That's my biggest problem is I don't know anyone's names and I can't <laughs> remember who they are. I mean, you could just call Murray Turk. I could. First off, I have the exact same Game Boy that Dion has, the yellow one uh, that she has at the beginning. She's playing some sort of Game Boy game while they're like looking up. I thought like, that the up. boys were playing Game Boy and then she took it from him. Maybe, but she's holding it and that's when I noticed it. Yeah, and so, so there's that. Turk, <laughs> I'm just going to say, um, has the yellow one and Sean has the old gray one. I had the yellow Game Boy color. Mine was not a color. It was just the regular Game Boy, but it was yellow. Yeah, this one was thick, so I knew it wasn't the Game Boy Color. Okay. Love that they reference the $40 million deal for Tiger Woods. God, Tiger <laughs> had been so young back then. It was like the 21-year-old Tiger Woods. That's crazy. Well, and they didn't even know anything about Tiger Woods because Murray calls him Tigger. Yeah. So that's crazy. That I mean, it's just like literally this was like the beginning of Tiger Woods. Yeah. Sean, his first attempt at swinging a golf club – Looks like if you shot him in the chest and then said, swing the golf club while we're shooting you. <laughs> it's like he has no control over any part of his body. It's impossible that someone could swing a golf club as poorly as he does. I didn't see any good golf swings in this episode. Oh, no, there were none. <laughs> I think Daisy Fuentes's was the best. Oh, I hated her golf swing. That should tell you something that that's the best one. <laughs> I specifically wrote it like pretty big and highlighted it in here, I think. <laughs> Skipped over the part where they're in class and their teacher who is played by... The guy from Princess Bride. Yeah, the inconceivable, that guy. Yeah. 
he, first of all, I love that they reference young Frankenstein when they're trying to talk about the book Frankenstein that they're, <laughs> that they're talking about, like Gene Wilder and stuff. I don't think yeah. any of my kids now would know what young Frankenstein is. I've never seen it, but I love the book Frankenstein. If you haven't read it, you should go read it. It's really good. It is. So skip hold that part because who cares? Well, the part that is relevant to that is that they're using those pencils that have the little fuzzy thing on top. Very 90s. That is very 90s. <laughs> also them looking at a golf magazine rather than looking on their phones at golf videos and stuff like that. So that's yeah. good. When they first go golfing and they talk about that they got stared at at the country club, I definitely thought that this episode was going in a different direction than it did. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, they're going to like talk about how they were being like racially profiled at this country club <laughs> or something like that. No. They were being looked at because of how they were dressed. And so they have the girls take them on a shopping spree. Yep. Didn't have anything to do with the fact that they were two black guys on the golf course where I'm sure there aren't very many people that look like that at Beverly Hills Country Club. Right. So I really thought it was going that route, but it was not. There's a Sabrina reference in this episode I forget what's going on, but they like, ooh, it's very Sabrina. I uh, think they said Melissa Joan Hart. Oh, Melissa Joan Hart. Yeah. <laughs> but it, but it was like in reference to something like witchy or, or or something. It was definitely like about her as Sabrina. Yeah. And so my note just says, Sabrina the Teenage Wiss exists in this world. Like in the world of this show, that's that's a thing. Well, before we continue real quick. Um, there was a Sabrina the Teenage Witch crossover because Melissa Joan Hart was in an episode as Sabrina Spellman, and it was in season one. Oh, that makes that whole sentence even weirder. So I didn't like watch this episode, obviously, but this says Cher had never seen Sabrina before, despite the fact that Cher knows everyone. Sabrina says... What, Cher, you think I just snapped my fingers and magically appeared? As if. And then once Cher's back is turned, Sabrina snaps her fingers and disappears. Oh, the writers were proud of that one. <laughs> I can relate to Turk being very, like, into golf all of a sudden when you first start. Because, like, there is literally no feeling in the world for me that is better than when you hit, like, a perfect golf shot or just drain a putt. That's the best feeling in the world. All you need to do is have it happen one time. And you're like, well, I need to do that forever again. <laughs> I will stop at nothing until it happens. Yeah. I don't know exactly how they played so much golf because whenever I start playing golf or going to the driving range for the first time in a while, my hands hurt so much and I get so many blisters. We got to talk about your grip. <laughs> I think you might have a problem there. Well, I know that you have tried to help me in the past. That was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, that was like four, five years ago. Yeah, I don't know. Holy Not crap. that long ago, I don't think, but. I, it might have been. Several years ago. Whatever you did worked, though, because I was much better after that. <laughs> That's right. Good coach. If you need a golf coach, hit Drew up. Please don't. <laughs> the most ridiculous part of this episode, bar none, is right before and right after they ask, Cher asked Coach Schumer if she does private lessons. Hey, Millie, wearing a sports bra? Looks good. 
doesn't lift and separate, but it'll support you better than any man ever will. Coach Seymour, could I ask you a very personal question? Horowitz, you know the drill. If it looks bad, feels bad, or smells bad, wash it immediately and have a professional look at it. No, I was just wondering if you did any private coaching. Off campus. Are you wearing a wire? She clearly has tried to fuck a kid before. <laughs> or is well, trying to at this the, point. Well, and also the question of if she does private off-campus coaching, like, she may have thought that was, like, a euphemism. <laughs> right. She's like, hmm, I don't know how to respond to this. But apparently she's a great coach because it seems like they take one lesson and then Diane beats beats Turk at golf. Right. And her swing is the worst, though. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the most ridiculous thing for me was just as soon as Daisy Fuentes showed up, which I remember her from the 90s, but I didn't recognize her when she first showed up. And then when they were like, oh, Daisy Fuentes, I was like, oh, right. She was a thing in the 90s. (laughs) Yeah. It was so out of place. Her swing was definitely the best, but all of their swings were terrible. They had way too much upper body action going on. They're all lifting up. Uh, it's all bad. Their putting <laughs> strokes are terrible. It all looks like they're just like have no control of their arms. Yeah. Did you notice the just say no sign? I didn't. So when they're basically talking about how Murray is obsessed with golf, there's a just say no sign that they zoom in on basically in reaction to how addicted he is. That's funny. I did not notice that. <laughs> Did you notice Sean's necklace? Yeah, it was a golf ball. Yeah, I loved it. And Amber was wearing um, golf tee earrings. And I think there was some sort of brooch that was two golf clubs crossed. Yeah, and $300 worth of acrylics. (laughs) Yeah, and there were a lot of Kangol hats in this episode. Oh, so many. So many. My dad wore a lot of Kangol hats, not this early, but definitely in like the early 2000s. Yeah, I think my dad did too. And he still wears those like, um, what are they called? Like newsboy Like hats? the cabbie hats. I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, he still wears those. Yeah. Which were all over this episode. Again, the colors on this episode were so color coordinated. In the very, very first scene... Everybody is wearing lime green and blue. Some combination of that. Maybe one person was wearing only one of them, but all four of them at the very beginning were all wearing the same colors. And it was something I could not unsee. They and must so have I a just schedule. kept looking. <laughs> I just kept looking for that throughout the whole episode. I just kept thinking the whole episode about the the one well, two episodes of Scrubs. The one where Turk goes golfing with Kelso and then gets chased off by the security guard when Kelso's like, I don't know this guy. After he, because <laughs> Turk beats him. And the other one is when they're putting at the end and like Diane's taking the putt to win. It reminded me of uh, Dr. Cox when he drains the putt in season one and how I think Donald Faison in the Scrubs podcast was talking about like, he, he just came up and knocked that putt in. Him walking away was him doing that. He's just like, okay. <laughs> So John C. McGinley, good golfer. Love it. Yeah. (laughs) This did kind of make me want to go to the driving range. It's been a while for me. Yeah, I got to go. I'm supposed to. I just ordered a new golf bag. 
Ooh. Mine broke after 17 years. This episode did, however, make me feel like the golf course is not the place for me. They said that the golf course is a sacred place, an oasis where guys can go to be guys. Yeah, I wrote down, uh, oof, a little sexist. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it also reminded me of when I worked at a golf course, and there's definitely tons of like guys at the golf course who feel that way. And they would say, come up with, you know, little uh, backronyms for golf of gentlemen only, ladies forbidden, and stuff like that. Oh. Well, both of my parents golf. My mom used to. She was the first one who taught me to golf, not my dad. And then I think she just stopped. <laughs> I don't remember the last time she went golfing. Probably when I finally beat her. And she's like, all right, we're <laughs> done with this shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, the only other thing that I really had to call out was there were bloopers at the end. I did not watch those. Oh, okay. Um, well, at the very end of them, there's part where Donald Faison says, can I just get through my scene today? And my note says, I don't know. How high are you? So Katie has definitely seen her perception of Donald Faison drop since listening to the Scrubs podcast. Yeah. So I listened to the Scrubs podcast and... Like every single episode, Donald is just talking about how high he was and how he doesn't remember anything and how unprofessional he was back then. And it just, I mean, I get that he was like young and whatever, but come on, it's your job, man. Like he specifically talked about a scene that he did for a movie where he was so high he forgot he was acting. Hey, that's just method. <laughs> it's method. He was so right high there. that he was hitting on this girl and tried to get her. He just remembered that he needed to like get her upstairs or whatever, but he like literally did that. So I don't know. Can you get through the scene, Donald? <laughs> it's method acting at its best. <laughs> I feel like he brought these problems on himself. There will be no Donald phase on slander on my watch. <laughs> He's a I do like the Scrubs podcast. I feel like they bring a lot of, you know, facts and experiences that don't get talked about and that I've never heard before. My main problem with it is just that they do not say what an episode is about before they start talking about it. <laughs> you got to be like me and just know every episode from front to back. <laughs> they barely even talk about the plot. It. They're like, and at seven minutes, 27 seconds, this happened. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> you just got to watch it for yourself. <laughs> but they get a lot of uh, good guests, you know. John C. McGinley, as you were talking about before. Love him. Love him. Uh, let's rate this one. You want me to okay. go first? Sure. Okay. I liked this episode better. Uh, probably because of all the golf stuff. There was still, we didn't mention, uh, an older gentleman hitting on these younger women with the the marshal at the golf course who apparently Diane's flirting with and Amber wants to. Um, Dion. Is it Diane? I thought it was D Diane. Dion. <sighs> well, Her nickname is D. Well, then I fucked up a bunch of times <laughs> in this. That's embarrassing. Dion. I'm just going to go with D. Dion was flirting with the marshal and... Amber was flirting with the marshal and wanted to get his number or give him her number, which it seems like that guy was older, but yeah, I mean, it was enjoyable. I love all the golf stuff, even though they were all terrible at it. 
So I'm going to give this one a little bit better score than the last one. Three and a half expensive sets of acrylics out of five. All right. Yeah, I liked this one a little bit more than the last one as well. It had a different tone to it. It seemed like they were maybe just more comfortable overall. I don't know if that is true, but it just seemed like it. Yeah, I'd agree. And, you know, it had some good 90s stuff. We called out some of it, like Tiger and the Kangle hats and the fuzzy pencils. Again, they had the Orbitz drink. And again, they were <laughs> looking up movie times in the newspaper. Talk about oh, yeah. The, the Steven they were Seagal go thriller. See, is that, was that a real movie? I have to assume it was. He had so many movies. Evita, the movie that the girls wanted to see, is obviously real. Yeah. I think the Steven Seagal one was. Okay. So there were some good montages, mostly of bad golf swings and bad putting, but you know, it's still entertaining. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go ahead and give this also three and a half Kangle hats out of five. All right. What a, what a show. (laughs) Only one other thing that I was going to mention It's not a 90s show if you don't bring up the fact that there's a possible reboot. So this one would be centered actually around the character of Dion, played by Stacey Dash. I don't think in this she would be played by Stacey Dash. I hope not. (laughs) She's now 60 years old playing a high schooler. So in this one, Cher has disappeared and... Dion is now the new most popular girl in school, and she's trying to figure out what happened to Cher while also dealing with her increased social status. So it's a mystery. It's a bit of a mystery, um, probably because, you know, things like Riverdale and other things that are dark versions of 90s shows are more popular right now. The new Sabrina, the Teenage Witch, um, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, is... So dark. Okay. I have not watched any of it. I watched like one and a half seasons and I couldn't do it anymore. But yeah, I don't know if this is actually in production or anything like that. I doubt it, but somebody's working on it and it's connected with some people with Will and Grace and the production company that does Dead to Me, Insatiable, and Unbelievable, which are all Netflix shows. So... We'll see. Okay. Yeah. So we did run a contest on our social media and I drew the winner on Friday a week ago from when this is coming out. And that winner was Alexandra. And I didn't make a huge deal of it because of everything that was going on in the world. It didn't seem appropriate. So um, it was a little bit more subdued than I had planned, but I thought I would read the review that Alexandra left for us. Okay. And congratulations, Alexandra. <laughs> yes. She, she's the winner of a SNCC prize pack that has like a Clarissa Explains It All fanny pack, some Alex MacBooks, some all that pins. But anyway, the review. It's titled, For All My 90s Nostalgia Needs. I love this podcast. As a 90s kid and lover of nostalgia, this fulfills all my 90s nostalgic needs. Whether I'm feeling true TGIF, Boy Meets World, Dinosaurs, a classic Snick Night, Clarissa Explains It All, Adventures of Pete and Pete, Saturday Morning Cartoons, Doug, 
or a teen melodrama, Dawson's Creek, Saved by the Bell, they've got it all. Fun, smart hosts who have a lot of passion and knowledge for the topic. Can't wait to hear more. Thank you for that, Alexandra. It's very kind. Yes. And we got some other reviews, so we'll keep reading them on the episodes. And if you want to leave us a review, that would be very, very much appreciated. Reviews help us get some exposure, working the algorithms of Apple and Stitcher or whatever. So, um, you know, if you like us, then that would be great if you could do that. Yes, please and thanks. You can also tell your friends. That helps a lot as well. Spread the wealth or something. (laughs) And if you want to follow us, we are at TFGIF Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. You can also send us some email. We love reading it. Our email address is tfgifpodcast at gmail.com. And I think I think that's all the contact information. <laughs> all right. Well, next up on the docket, we have the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, of which every child in America has been for Halloween at some point, I think. I was never a Power Ranger for Halloween. But, but you were one at play, some other point. It's definitely I did clear. play Power Rangers outside. <laughs> okay. We were not dressed as Power Rangers, but we knew which one we were. <laughs> I'm very excited to see how poorly this is held up and <laughs> how ridiculous it all it all is. Oh, same. Definitely. It's not anything that I've seen since I was a kid, so. I do think about, well, there is an episode of Scrubs where they talk about Power Rangers. I'll save that for next time. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, until next time. Bye. bye.